Okay, welcome to Crownsman Agriculture. I'm your host, Jared Downey. Joining me is Gowdy Molina. Hello, Gowdy. Hello. Um, it's There's a little bit of irony that we're doing a uh, ag show today when all this footage is coming out. You will not be seeing, this will be cleaned up by the time we're released this episode. Know, yep. But what's going on um, in our, our neighbors in Abbotsford uh, in British Columbia is absolutely wild yeah. footage of... <laughs> neighbors helping each other save the cattle and that from all the flooding um but it's also a testament to agriculture so uh proud to be doing a show about that today mm -hmm. um of course again you'll probably you might be seeing this a couple of weeks after that happens but uh yeah it's it's quite something to to see um and our thoughts are with everybody um on the show today we have greg gillen he's the vice president of global agriculture at maxim tire um, Greg has got an interesting back, back, <laughs> background in the tire industry, but also his career in the military. So we're going to cover some of that. We're going to understand a little bit about actually what separates an egg tire from the, the other tires that we've covered on the show. Lots to cover. Gowdy, before we do that, we have some incredible sponsors. Let's give a shout out to them. Absolutely. Okay, let's start off with Mino. Mino works closely with customers to make biochar from their waste streams. This biochar is then used to increase agricultural yields, to improve forest productivity, or to store carbon in materials such as concrete or asphalt. Through the production and increased use of biochar, Mino's goal is to accelerate the rate at which humanity removes carbon from the atmosphere. It also improves the health of soil and water resources and in the process creates the good jobs of the future. You can learn more at minocarbon.com or you can also check out their Crownsman Egg episode um, on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, next up, we also have SolarSet. SolarSet has launched a pre-assembled ground-mounted solar system, including the innovative SolarSet Fold. Uh, their solar systems will power your residential and commercial property, and they will ship worldwide. Talk to their team to learn if a grid tie or off-grid uh, with battery backup solar system is right for your application. Visit them at solarset.com to learn more. And last but not least, we've got PowerZone Equipment. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas, pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems, no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. Here we go. Thank you very much, Gowdy. You're very I, welcome. Well, I was, you were, we didn't have to notice you have two cups of Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have to bring that up? I thought You're about, off camera I for thought a about reason. Nob, but I went, wow, that's, that's a morning. Okay. <laughs> I need the coffee. <laughs> Greg, welcome to the show. It's great to have Maxim on. Um, you know, we, we love doing the egg shows. I grew up around a lot of, uh, a lot of ranches and farming. And, uh, and, and myself am not an expert in it. So it's always great to have people with a background in it. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Jared. We're excited to be a part of this. We're excited to share a little bit about what Maxim's doing, but, but I share with you the, I would call it the passion of what agriculture is all about. You know, in the end, ag is life. And if we can't uh, find ways to continue to improve and 
grow food faster, you know, with the planetary growth that we've got coming in terms of population and demand, you know, this is all part of the cycle of life. Mm -hmm. So it's an exciting part of what we do. And it's an exciting part of the Maxim offer where we think we're delivering a value and a, and a difference in the marketplace. There, there still is very much a, a, a different culture in, in egg, isn't there? Like if I go to trade shows, I think you were just in the, in Red Deer at a show, weren't you? I sure was. I was in Alberta and it was exciting to be in Canada first. It was my first trip out of the country since, you know, the, the, the situation we're all dealing with yeah. worldwide. Uh, but the upside of the visit is I got to see uh, so many farmers and, and so many growers and, and just uh, the commitment that you see out there. You know, one of the things that people underestimate is the amount of effort, um, business savviness, and I would argue knowledge of how to grow crops. You know, one of the things that people underestimate is uh, that farmers in the end are gamblers, right? They put all their chips in in the spring and they hope uh, that they'll deliver the harvest in the fall without losing it to weather, to fires, to flooding as you guys are dealing with today in BC, et cetera. So it's, it's an amazing community to service um, in the tire industry. Obviously, we deal with every segment of the business. I particularly love farmers because they are truly, you know, no pun intended, down to earth. Yeah, no, it is. It, I, I notice when I go to like an energy show or my, mining, people are very, very passionate about mining as well. Absolutely. Um, but in the in the egg, uh, the egg sector, you don't you can't walk through a trade show and have 30 second conversations. That's no, not the culture. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, I can share with you that if you go visit a farmer or a grower and you start to ask questions and next thing you know, you're, you're having coffee and a piece of pie with them. That's just the nature of the business and the things that we do, which is one of the things that makes it so uh, fun to be a part of. And, and, and it is very much family oriented because most farming operations are multi-generational. So it's always exciting to be a part of how we make a difference in their lives. And where does sort of Maxim as a company, um, what's sort of their approach and sort of their strength um, within the sector? Because they've made, I mean, they're, they have a lot of impact in the egg sector. And uh, where, where do you sort of see they have that, that extra, extra level that they offer? Well, I think uh, our strategies of business is perhaps a little bit different than, than our competitors. But I would argue that as a, as a part of the tire world, agriculture is the newest segment I would in our business offer. Mm. Newer in the sense that we compare it to our industrial, our mining, our heavy construction, et cetera. Right. But because it's newer, we've also taken the opportunity to design a strategy, a technology approach, and a product approach that's focused on delivering a value. So it sounds kind of cliche-ish, but... We, we took the best of what everybody else has done over the last 50 to 70 years, applied the best lessons we can, and poured that into how we bring the products. The whole concept is goes back to the mantra of the company of providing business solutions, which is to deliver a value that makes a performance difference in a farming operation. Okay. So when you go in, I actually want to set this up a little bit, because if you, when you go to Red Deer, and you're yes. out and having you're you're on the ground. I I've been to Red Deer actually. That was when we first started the company. Red Deer was I was doing uh, a tough mutter, which was a terrible idea, where it rained <laughs> in Red Deer or near there, and we try we had to tromp through about a foot and a half of uh, of mud on a dirt bike trail. Yeah. Driving back from that with my wife, saying we're not doing that again, 
um, <laughs> we saw a sign that said there was an egg show. So that was one of the, and we just started our company. That was one of the first places we went. So I kind of have fond memories of that. It was very exciting. Good. When you're on the ground, what are the discuss? What are some of the questions that people are actually asking you? Because, like you said, they're not thirty second conversations. It's an ongoing discussion. So, can you give us a window into to sort of what's being talked about at a show like that? Well, I mean, obviously, I would call there's some recurring themes that surface. The one theme that that currently is impacting the ag world as a whole is obviously the the market explosion that that's happening worldwide with crop prices, which is driving up availability of product and demand, et cetera. So I would say that's kind of hovering over the surface, but the three things that consistently surface when you talk to growers and farmers, and obviously it's, it's a two-part community to the agricultural world. A farmer owns his own operation, but a grower is a farmer that sells his product to a food company, for example, Del Monte or one of those. They're doing the same thing. It's just how they channel the, the, the product that they produce and sell. But to answer your question, there's three things that I think surface all the time. Why is our product better? You know, what, what do we bring to the table that nobody else does? How does that improve their farming operation? And what is our commitment to supporting them? And those are the three things that tend to surface pretty regularly at all the ag shows. And it just has to do with what the farmers are concerned about. And the biggest issue with any operation is the kind of the dichotomy of providing a traction solution that it gets them through the field faster without compacting the soil. Right. Because if you compact the soil, then you impact their ability to achieve yield. And the yield is what drives a farmer, right? The difference between two years of corn on a stock or three years of corn because the soil is not as compacted can mean a 15, 20% increase in their yield and in the volume of product that they're able to bring to market. So all of that uh, kind of shares in itself, depending on where they're at and their farming operation and the crops that they're growing. So this is more, what you just touched on is more of a design approach. Like if you're talking uh, in the mining industry, um, that, I mean, they're actually monitoring tires because it's such an impactful part of, and it's such harsh conditions. Where Absolutely. A, and now, is it a little bit of a different, so it's a different thing that they're looking at in egg or, or are they looking, like, are they actually tracking, okay, tire wear in the egg? No, I, I would argue, yeah, I think it's a very good question. Um, when you look at it, you know, a mine is a, is a growing living thing in that a mining operation evolves and changes um, as they pursue where the, where the core minerals are, right? So you essentially move the mountain from left to right or right to left, you go deeper, higher, et cetera. So it's constantly evolving. The challenge with tires and mining is you have to monitor the conditions, the work conditions to ensure that you're always using the right tires and the right products. Agriculture is a little bit different only in the sense that the machine dictates uh, the size of the tire, the horsepower, et cetera which is then using whatever attachment they're using. What's changing is with the advent of GPS, satellite technology, uh, just some of the different pieces of the pie that the uh, OEMs are providing, the farmer's use of science is becoming a little more integrated. You know, Now they've got, um, what do we call drones and sensors that can measure the depth of the soil, can tell right. them how deep a seed needs to be planted, so all that impacts how the tires operate. Uh, the challenge is always for us is making sure that they optimize the best possible tire size, the best possible air pressure, 
the best possible utilization of the product such way that they can get the maximum result, no pun intended, out of the tire and into what they need to do with the machinery. So do you actually walk through the design? Like, are, is there actually farmers coming and saying, and I want to highlight a couple of the, the actual product lines. Are they looking, I mean, th- th- they've obviously been farming for years as well. So they're coming. Do they look at the tire and go, well, that design will work in our field? Or do you have like, you actually have to go into like the different types of soil they have. So that's going to apply better for a different, you know, application. Like, are you walking them through all of that process? Absolutely, Jared. I mean, part of the conversation is to show them, uh, and it's cliche-ish, but again, it's to show them the features and benefits of the product. Everything we put into the design of the tire has a purpose. It's not just there randomly, you know, to look real exciting. It's designed to deliver a certain value expectation the product brings to the table. Um, because if, if we're not constantly growing and improving how the product works, a, we lose value, but B, we have to also have to have the, the technology savviness to be able to say how the product will evolve for the future. So we're not just looking at what is working today. We have to project our products to what it'll do today, tomorrow, and in five years or 10 years. Uh, ultimately, that is the objective. So in short words, yes, that conversation happens. Uh, obviously, farming operations are different. You know, one of the challenges that the OEMs that produce tractors have versus call it a mining operation, the size of a truck determines the size of a tire in mining, right? You can change the tread design, you can change the compounding. In agriculture, just to give you an example, uh, the John Deere factory, and I'm gonna use John Deere just as an example, uh, for their seven or 8,000 series mechanical front wheel drive tractor can have up to 28 different tire combinations depending on how and where that tractor is going. Obviously, row crop farming for corn and soybeans is completely different than dryland farming, which is what you tend to have in Alberta and in Western Canada as related to small grains, barleys, wheat, etc. So it, every soil condition, every tire combination, every air pressure, everything changes depending on what you're farming and how you're farming. So we have to design tires and we have to design features and products that meet all of those needs and then adapt them as needed in the field to meet that particular farmer's needs. So this is actually, so this leads me to a question. If, if, a, if a farmer goes and buys a new tractor, it's, I mean, they're not sitting, do they have 28 options that then they, they pick what they're buying off the shelf and they yes. leave that? Or do they, do they ever come to you and actually, are they switching tires? Or they, they can. I mean, what applications that they have on site, like, are they getting into that much? Well, obviously, the, the most farmers will rely on the advice of their dealers or their fellow farmers. You know, the dealers tend to sell the product that's optimized for their markets, right? So they might have 27 different tire combinations in the offering, but they know based on how they farm, where they farm, the type of crops they're farming, here are the top three combinations. What you'll see happening at times with farmers is uh, down the road, they, they buy a new planter, they buy a new uh, ripper, they buy something else that perhaps it's a different offer because the, the farm is changing or they want to do something faster. That might drive a tire change. So one of the things that we help with the dealers and with the OEMs is then to show them the technical specs to change to a, either a wider tire or a taller tire, depending on what they're trying to do, to stay within the mechanical ratio of the tractor and be able to deliver the footprint and the traction they desire. Remember, in the end, it's all about traction and reducing compaction. 
right? right? The more you can track those two things, which are counterintuitive, right? Because traction, you want to go faster or you want to be able to employ the machine better, which, you know, consumes less fuel. But more importantly, you want to reduce the soil impact equation because that impacts their final bottom line, which is yield, which is getting more product out of the ground faster, efficiently, which delivers a value. Let's walk through a couple of the uh, of the actual product lines. Um, the 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 Agri Extra. That's an interesting name. <laughs> Agri Extra. How do you say that? Agri Extra is what we call. Extra, it. Oh, you're doing okay. Agri Extra. Okay. Right. Emphasize right. on the X as an oh, Agri Extra. I'm reading it as a typed out word, so I'm like, yeah, probably should have got that right. <laughs> that. But anyway, that's my bad. Um, can you just walk? Because you said every product has every aspect of the tire has a specific design. Can you walk it? So there's the the flow extra. You've also got, um, I think there was another brand I want to. No, you've got those two lines. So the egg extra and the flow extra. The, yeah. Um, can you just sort of unpack a little bit about those two tire lines? Yes. One of the things we're doing differently, going back to the kind of the early comments, Jared, about how are we going to market in a different way, is we've tried rather than if you look at some of our competitors. We tend to have uh, competitors that put tire, just a number on a product, or they put a, uh, a specific name on a product to, to, to say, well, this is, this is this X tire. We grouped all of our products under one family. We call it Agri Extra. And then we tailored the offering into um, a subfamily of aspect ratios. Yeah. What that means is it's, it's related to the tire dimension. So from a market standpoint, from a dealer standpoint, from an end user, farmer, grower standpoint, it's easy identification. Anything that's an agri extra in our product offering is essentially geared to the five top machinery fields, whether that's a mechanical front wheel drive tractor, whether that's a four wheel drive tractor, whether that is a self-propelled sprayer, whether that's a, a combine harvester or a flotation machine, all of our tires are designed to fit that machinery then we sub-tailor it by aspect ratio in terms of how the tire sizing is. That allows both the dealers and the farmers to dive into the detail and say, okay, I start at the top and I work my way down to what size do I need based on the application. The other thing it helps us to do is also to uniformly have a common tread design that we are confident works in every application. The float extra is our flotation solution tire. Uh, this is a market that's continuing to evolve worldwide. Uh, I would argue that in Europe, it's significantly more radialized. So that's the difference between a radial and a bias tire. It's in the casing construction of the product. Uh, and that just has to do with the fact that farming operations in Europe are required to operate up and down highways and, and paved roads, wow. which we have less of that restriction in, call it the new world, South America, North America, or even Asia, in terms of the restrictions on ag equipment. In Europe, uh, they have to abide by certain speeds and loads because they're on highways. So right. it, part of the design strategy with our products is to create products that are not just tailored to a specific product uh, or a specific application, but also tailored to a global audience, right? We have to meet the need here, there, et cetera, and be consistent worldwide. Did that, and I was going to actually ask you about that as well, is your, well, you've already touched on it, that that difference in global you know, you're, you're handing it on a global scale, right? The ag sector. Yes. Yes, I am. So is that, I mean, obviously you have a team that you're working with and adapting, but is it, 
it's actually quite um, a di- there is quite a lot of differences as you look from market to market, right? Absolutely, and that's why the if you look at ag tires, the size offering is such a critical part of the offer because farming operations and farming applications are different depending where you are in the world. What we do in North America, and we use Canada and the U.S. Uh, traditionally speaking, tractors above 150 horsepower are used for farming operations. That same application in Europe, so think of the same crop, maybe a different soil, will use tractors that are smaller than 150 horsepower. And then when you go to Asia, because of how farming operations happen, they do the same thing, but with tractors below 100 horsepower. We're all dealing with the same crop. We're all dealing uh, with, I would argue, the same tractor machinery makers, but the size and scope of the operation dictates the tire size, the application, and how it's going to operate. It's, um, and I, I just got to give a quick shout out as well to the whoever is behind your marketing and design and branding and all that sort of stuff. The way that Maxim has done it um, back, in, in, back in the day, which wasn't, that, I guess, that long ago, really, um, I used to do some consulting and the way that they've laid everything out is exactly how I used to try to convince companies to do it, to follow that, that sort of step through. Um, It's very nicely. So I don't know who was behind that, but very, very well done. Um, You know, thank you on behalf of Maxim. uh, (laughs) I'll take a little bit of the credit for that, but I also want to, I want to give credit to our extended marketing team and two of the members that, are obviously on our call today, Molly and Janine, who do a lot of work in the background to make all of this happen. So I rely on them to make us as successful as we can. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I've I've had some fairly uh, intense conversations about how to, especially if someone's like rebranding a product and delivering, they have got multiple sizes. It's so easy to go, okay, we're gonna call this one, this one, this. And all of a sudden you've got 10 different names and the poor customer now has to try to associate a name with a size, with an application, with a scale. It's like, don't, yeah. you're making them work way too hard. Give them one or two different names and let them work their way down. It's beautifully designed. Um, Thank you. I'll so, take credit for that one. Oh, good. Okay. That's our secret sauce. What can I say? It really, it really makes, the thing is, and I, I learned this as well, like, again, going back to, the, you know, going to a trade show and, and places like these, you don't want to muck up the conversation. You want to be able to talk about, you know, their land or how long they've had the farm or anything. Absolutely. Like that. You don't want to have to try to be pulling out 10 charts to go, this is what we are. It's a disaster. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and, and we also and keep in mind, obviously, our products are designed to deliver to the end users of farmers and the growers what they need. But our primary customer is the dealer. Right. And yeah. one of the things we are proud of is our ideas. The better we can service them in terms of what they bring to market the better they can sell what we have to our that's end right. users. Absolutely. And that's that's part of, again, the secret sauce, right? Um, and when you look at a commercial dealer operation, you know, and, and I'll use the, the case of our dealer in Canada, Cal Tire, you know, Cal sells everything from a bicycle tire all the way up to mining tires. So think of the complexity that a portfolio like a Cal Tire carries in stock that they have to tailor to each one of their customers. So the better we can support them, the easier we can do it, Jared, you nailed it. It's our secret sauce. Yeah, well, and, and Keltire, they I think they've been on the show three times in the last year, and we're still unpacking everything. They've got yeah, they've got so many layers. Um, Absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I got to go back a little bit to you because you've, you know, you've been in what's sort of your story? You've been in the egg sector, but you've also you served in the military for where, where are you based out of right now? Uh, I live in San Antonio, Texas, so I live in the United States. Um, but yes, I'm a, I'm a former Naval officer. I'm a Naval Academy graduate. And uh, one of those things where I was serving on destroyers in the East Coast, I got an opportunity to do a bunch of different op- you know, NATO operations and oh. um, humanitarian operations. And I had uh, two children and we could say one in the oven. And, and my wife one day said, you know, this has been fun and real, but it hasn't always been real fun. Uh, and that's just the nature of being in the Navy, that uh, we're a forward deployed force, which means we're, we were constantly uh, at sea. So as a result of that, I decided, well, I wanted to do something else. And I started interviewing. And the irony of it all is when I first left the Navy, it was between John Deere. And at the time, I ended up working for Michelin. And um, I ended up going to Michelin. And because I speak various languages, I ended up doing an international expat assignment in mining. As a matter of fact, it took me to South America for a number of years, to Argentina. And then I came back and, and did other roles, both in mining and then inevitably entered the OE world, which allowed me to work with great companies that produce just some of the best ag equipment in the world, John Deere, Case, Agco, Kubota, et cetera, that exposed me to the ag world um, and the passion of what, what that all is. And uh, so I ended up serving active duty about uh, 12 years and another three to four years in the reserves, uh, and then kind of pursuing uh, the tires. And I've been at this now for 20 plus years. And it's an exciting time to be here because one of the things that continues, people underestimate, there's going to be 1.5 billion more people on the planet in the next 20 years. And we have to produce food worldwide to feed all these people. So it's, it's really, a, it's not just a challenge, it's an opportunity. It's all about improving what we do, how we do it, creating sustainable solutions that will allow us to feed all those people that are coming. It's just, it's a matter of time. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's probably one thing that we should all be able to agree on. <laughs> uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, so. I, got, I got, you know, I've had uh, a few guests out of Texas. Um, now, I'm not sure if you were originally from there, but I, I've noticed that, that out of Texas, uh, I, I don't think there's any secret, there's a lot of military people that come out of there. Do you, do you have sort of any insight as to, to what that culture is that sort of motivates people to, to join the military? I mean, <laughs> the, Navy, the commitment of the Navy, I mean, you know, it, it is. You're, you're gone so much, just as a work, as a job. It's, it's yes. quite demanding. Um, but then also you're, you're actually serving in a military unit. So what, what is sort of part of that culture? Well, I, I'm going to speak to it in three ways. One, I'll speak to to my own family. Um, my father was a Korean War veteran. My grandfather fought in World War I. I was in Canada for Remembrance Day. And uh, shout out to, the, to, to Canada as a whole. I would say that it was very classy to be a part of the Remembrance Day celebration. And I'm getting choked up about it just because, you know, it, it, it reminds me of, uh, of duty and how so many of us that have served, you know, it's not about the money. It, it's about the opportunity to do something that makes a difference. But uh, to answer your question, I think, uh, you know, Texas within the U.S. is a unique culture. We're a blend of, of many cultures around the world. I mean, if, if you go and look at Texas history, uh, Texas was an independent republic for 10 years after it broke off from Mexico and then it joined the Union. Um, it's a very integrated state in terms of the people that live here. Uh, 
you know, a lot of people don't know this, but there were plenty of Spanish or Mexican families that died in the Alamo. You know, it wasn't just uh, the Davy Crockett and the heroes that are televised by John Wayne. There were plenty of other people that were a part of that that believed in what Texas is all about. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, that you know, Texas has a unique culture within the U.S. Uh, I love living here. I love being home. Uh, this has been my, my family home, although I grew up overseas because my father was with the U.S. government uh, in the State Department. So I grew up in, in international places. Um, and my ethnic background, my mother's from South America. So that's part of the reason why I speak various languages. But to make a long story short, Texas is just part of the DNA of my family and the DNA of, of what America is. And I would say that there's just a sense of duty in, in Texas. Now, Texas being one of the largest states in the con- continuous 48 states, and because of our weather, we have a lot of military operations here, whether it's Army or Air Force. Uh, I would say there's more Army or Air Force than there is Navy. Uh, there are some Navy sites here, but mostly for aviation training. Um, and then the rest of it is just the things that that uh, make a difference in life. I, I can't speak to specifics. I can only speak for myself. I would say that when I was uh, in high school and decided that I wanted to pursue a military career, I just didn't see myself behind a desk working a job. I wanted to do something that was exciting. And the privilege of being in the Navy and as a graduate of the Naval Academy is a lot of the lessons that I learned as a midshipman at the academy, then as a junior officer on a, on a ship, and then as a department head on a destroyer, all those lessons have served me well every day of my life. You know, the simple stuff like you take care of your troops, you you do the right thing when you know because it's the right thing to do. You do what nobody's watching. Um, you mm-hmm. reprimand in private, you praise in public, you lead by example, and and I know those are all cliches, but it's all very true because human nature is human nature. And uh, the more we abide by those types of values and integrity, you know, one of the things that, that I love about what we're doing with Maxim is we work hard to deliver the absolute best that we can and try to do it with the absolute best integrity. We're still human. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to, you know, go south. It's how we handle those things that differentiate not just ourselves, our brand, but also our commitment to the industry. That's a, yeah, I'm glad I asked that question. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't mean to go off too deep on this. No, no. And you know, when you say thing, you know, like uh, some things are cliche, but I think one thing, and it's, it's quite an honor for me to be part of this show doing it because there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of short clip noise out there. And so many of the cliches, I think, that are actually really helpful for people, you know, like, like you said, you know, do what's right when nobody's watching. That's, I mean, that's a pretty heavy thing. If you, if you stop and think through that, what that means in, in your, especially in a job or as a company, you know, a, tire, a, a large company like Maxim and dealing with all, all the end users and their, the OEMs and it, what it takes, what it actually takes to be a company that people trust. That is not an easy thing to gain people's trust. It, it really no, I, you're absolutely right, Jared. It, it's, it can be very fickle. And um, that's why it, it, it's a constant, um, what I want to call it. it's not rebranding, but it's, it's a constant exercise from self-examination. Yeah. Are we doing what our DNA as a company says we should be doing, right? And that's what's been exciting about Maxim is that all of us in the organization have all come from different walks of life, different, you know, the dealer channel, the manufacturer channel, we've all come together. And one of the things that 
drives us is how can we do it better than where we came from? What can we do differently that delivers a value and an expectation of performance? But on a bigger scale, one of the things that that I think society today, and I would argue it's it's probably, as you put it, the snippet of social media, um, not to badmouth social media, but just to say that people don't necessarily look at the context of a situation, right? Yeah, exactly. And you have to look at the history. You have to look at how did you get here? So you know what you did right, you know what yeah. you did wrong, and then you can pick the direction of where you want to go. And that's all part of the strategy of how we as Maxim go to market, right? What can we do better that perhaps didn't work as well in a previous life and take it to the next level with the ultimate objective of delivering a value and a performance solution that's different than what our competitors bring to market? Well, Greg, it has been it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think uh, many more of my questions would just uh, <laughs> so almost take away from some of what you said here towards the end of the interview. So, well, you know, thank you for thank you for being on the show. I, I really enjoy it. And it's, it's always nice. And, the, the, you know, it, it's nice when a guest will come on and actually give their opinion and talk through things. Um, and, and also well promoting the company. We're very unashamedly promoting companies on the show. It's what it's built around. But it's always nice we get to see multiple layers of the people behind the company. So I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you. We appreciate the opportunity to share not only with you, Jared, and, and with Gaudi and, and the Crownsman organization, but also with your listeners and your observers to the show that, um, you know, one of the things we hope to bring, and, and again, it's part of the message in our company, is we are a provider of business solutions, right? And that solution impacts every aspect of the business that we do, whether it's servicing the dealer, the farmer, the end user, et cetera. But what makes it fun for us is we have got a great organization with us and behind us and that permeates how we do business. So we hope that some of your listeners will take advantage of this and maybe try some maxims and no pun intended, maximize their <laughs> value. How's that for a closer? Absolutely. Greg, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your service and, uh, and thank you for joining the show and thank you to Maxim for supporting it. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking again soon. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Gaudi. Have a wonderful day. And, you know, remember, ag is life. <laughs> thank you. Okay, Gaudi. That was great. I have to say that was just a great interview. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> well, thank you. Right now. <laughs> uh, you know, lots of fun um, and, and extra layers beyond uh, just the product, which I, which I think enhance the product, in my personal opinion. Absolutely. Gowdy, where can people like, follow, subscribe, share, comment, or give kind suggestions for how we can improve? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first off, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got lots of new episodes coming um, on there. Uh, not just uh, Crownsman Egg, but Mining Now, Crownsman Energy, The Crownsman Show. Um, and of course, we also have uh, Change Itself, uh, which is not our show, but we do help produce. Um, and uh, follow us, Facebook, LinkedIn, and contact us if you'd like to be on one of the shows, whether it's, you know, uh, crownsman egg or any of the our other shows <laughs> i'm gonna go over them again <laughs> i saw uh, you just trying to decide i, I know do maybe, i want to... maybe it's that coffee <laughs> <laughs> the multiple cups of coffee i've had already um but yes contact us info at crownsman.com uh yeah thank you gowdy thank you greg thank you maxim and, and their entire team for helping us put it together and thank you to our sponsors we will see you on the next and and thank you to our viewers wow look at my manners <laughs> Thank you, everybody. See you on the next episode of Crownsman Egg.